Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I started, I would call it the greatest of all blessings. But like all things in Scripture, they are on level. Like so I take it on this level. If I took it on this level, then tell a little story to illustrate it. But the greatest of all blessings would be a strong imagination, a clear idea, and a determined vision of things as we desire them to be, all clearly fixed in our minds, and never waver from that vision, regardless of what you hear, regardless of what rumor comes to your world, just a good strong imagination, a clear idea, and a determined vision of things as you would like them to be, which would imply the fulfillment of a dream, your dream on this level. That same formula holds good for us on the highest level. It is held in the divine mind. And his dream for us is never to make man in our image. And that has never faltered, never wavered. It still remains fixed in the divine mind. Regardless of what we go through in this world, that remains fixed. So that must come out. You and I, on this level, we may wake up and break the image and feel that the law doesn't work. But on the highest level, for us, there is no way God is faithful. You can trust Him invisibly to produce in us the image which is the image of himself. Let us make man in our image. On this level, let me show you in a simple way how this law operates. I received a letter yesterday from a friend who is here tonight. Another friend who also is here tonight shared with us an experience of his. He did it with remarkable success. Fantastic success. He took many, but he told them to a few that he had assumed the personality of that other. And then, while he wore that personality, he simply gave to himself as that being. What that being 
could not give to self. So this gentleman here tonight, he said, I play golf. I don't play well, but I play golf occasionally. And so, a friend of mine said to me, one with whom I've played time and again, what about a game tomorrow? And I accepted the invitation. So, but that night, the night before the game, I assumed I was my friend. I entered his body. And then wearing the body of my friend, servant will wait for you, come right up here. And assuming the body of the friend, he then complimented himself on every stroke on the game that he played. So he played the part of his opponent, complimenting himself on the game that he played. The next day, I would say, first of all, he said, we're not the best players, we only play nine holes, and we almost come, I would say, equal. We do it to 56 or 57 strokes. That is our score for nine holes. So he said, the next day we play, and it was sheer fantasy. Everything just went right to me. At the end of the game, I won by 10 strokes. And he, at every hole, was complimented. He said, my puppy was simply amazing. Everything, as I've never done it before, that's a good purpose. But he said, no, well, I didn't intend to beat him. That was not the purpose. But I tell you this to show you how it all works. I wonder if Arnold Palmer knows about it. <laughs> Undoubtedly, he does. And he puts himself into the body of Nicholas and has Jack compliment him on every hole. Then who is going to win? I just say, this is how the law works. A strong imagination, a clear idea, and a determinate vision of things as you want them to be. And do not waver in that state. And this is how the law works in this world of ours. God on the higher level holds us for everyone in his mind's eye to form everyone into the image of himself and that image is Jesus Christ. Now I asked you a few weeks ago to assume as you retire at time that you are Jesus Christ. I had a purpose for it. Just assume I am Jesus Christ. For if that is the root then you will grow from that root. All things bring forth after their kind. Well, a few hardy souls have the courage to find. Well, I can tell you my children tonight that from this small audience, three men, two are present tonight, one is not, but he was here last Tuesday. On the basis of this assumption, wrote me these letters. 
Now here is the question. This chat assumes I am Jesus Christ. And try to feel what it would be like would he be inside. And fall asleep. And he found himself sitting at a long table with benches to see just as he would in a park to a picnic ground. And two first cousins were present. This lad, like his cousins, were all born and raised in the Catholic faith. They could not claim today that they are practicing Catholics, but they were born and raised in that faith. A discussion started, and my friend tried to persuade them of the reality of the power and the wisdom of God, and told them that the power and the wisdom of God was spirit. And they seemed to be shocked when he told them what he did about the power and the wisdom of God. He said, I am not making this up. I will show it to you in scripture. This was written by Paul 2,000 years ago. This is all in his dream. He's talking this way. And he tried to find a New Testament where he could turn to the first chapter of the first epistle of Corinthians, which is the 24th verse, to read this passage. And then he says, before finding the Bible, he says, in the scripture written 2,000 years ago, the power and the wisdom of God was named Jesus Christ. And with that, it was a startling statement that the whole dream vanished. They vanished, he awoke from it all. And he remembered what he had read. So may I tell you, the whole purpose of life is by God's law, you own the earth. And many have tried to own the earth. Great tyrants the world over, over the centuries have tried to own this earth. They've all failed. But if you did succeed in only the earth, you'd make your exit anyway. Like the little grass that withers and the flower that falls. Everything goes that way. But if you only fulfill scripture, or the purpose of life is to fulfill scripture, that I have come, and my only purpose is to fulfill scripture. Scripture must be fulfilled in me. And if you read it in the 24th chapter of the book of Luke, and he began with Moses, and then the prophets, and then the Psalms, and he interpreted to all of them all that was said of him in scripture. So Jesus Christ in man that has been formed, as he's been formed, he unfolds scripture. So here is my friend who actually, in a state that you would call an involuntary state, he is quoting scripture. He is quoting the 24th verse of the first chapter, first Corinthians. He is unfolding scripture within himself by first assuming, I am Jesus Christ. Now another one writes the letter, and he says, I assume I am Jesus Christ. And I found myself walking down a highway, moving towards an institution for men. I knew they were all men there, and they needed my help. And that was the purpose of my journey. I was going to help them. 
So as I went down towards the place, I entered the courtyard of the institution, and instantly an enormous dog jumped at me. And I held it, and I put my right hand forward, it went through the collar and in some way held him, and therefore arrested his motion, so he did not really hurt. And then, as I held him, all he could do was simply to nuzzle my little, my neck. But perfectly harmless. But I saw men in the area, and I knew intuitively that these men had planned this trip. And they were enjoying the little trick of this seemingly vicious dog. All that I had in me at the moment was compassion for them. That's all that I had, just compassion. And then I had no resentment, I had no feeling of hurt, just sheer compassion for these men who had plotted and planned this trip against me. Then I turned my back on the men, and I repeated the 11th verse of the 13th chapter of First Corinthians. And this is the verse. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put childish things away. And then I was. Here is scripture. Fulfilling scripture in the unfolding soul. I say to him, he has to part ago. It always strikes me in a very strange way that everyone across this country as I go, they're always quoting the words of Paul. And the soul begins to unfold. There are only two more verses left, and the next really links it with the last. The next verse, now we see through a last darkness, or as one translation has it, we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, face to face, that's the twelfth verse, and then we come into the thirteenth, which I know from experience. When you stand face to face with the risen Christ, you pronounce the last verse. And it is so love, or rather faith, hope, and love. These three abide. But the greatest of these is love. So the next vision comes when you are brought into the presence of the risen Christ. A man. And when you enter, by quoting the last verse of 13 Corinthians, he embraces you. As he embraces you, you are fused with the body of Christ. You are incorporated into the body of Christ. You are one with the body of Christ. And one with the spirit of Christ. Then you are sent into this world to tell the story of the risen Christ. For here, this Chat. By daring to assume I am Christ, and he comes at the position in the moving drama where he is, 
in the unfolding soul. What you are in the world of Caesar doesn't really matter. He may be tonight completely unknown even in his neighborhood. He may have no security in the world of Caesar. He may be almost tongue-tied among people. That's entirely up to him or others. It doesn't really matter. But in the world of God, the unfolding soul, there he stands at the end of this wonderful drama as recorded in Corinthians. He's on the verge, he's only a verse away from it because the 12th and the 13th they come together. Now I see in a mirror the thing face to face and that comes right, face to face comes with the answer which is the greatest of these is done. I tell you what, some believe you are probably what to say when you ask what is the greatest thing in the world. Now scripture also tells the symbolism, but I will not go into that. Symbolism of the door. All that is so in the 22nd chapter of Psalm. And in the story of Solomon and Gomorrah, all that is recorded in Genesis in that. And there was a place for men only. That's what he brought out. A institution for men. And only men. And you're told in the 22nd Psalm that they were weak. And the dogs surrounded me, and the wicked ones encircled me. So you'll know by the symbol of the dog who the wicked ones are. If you have a concordance and you look it up, I need not discuss it from the platform, you'll know exactly the kind of institution that it was. It's all part of the unfolding scripture. Now the third one, who is not here tonight? Shall I assume I am Jesus Christ? And that night as he slept, that I found myself in an enormous amphitheater, huge place, crowded to the gospel. 